It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, August 24th, 2023. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. A fire broke out early Wednesday morning aboard an Alaska Marine Highway System ferry traveling through the Wrangell Narrows. As KSTK's Sage Smiley reports, the fire sent almost a dozen passengers and crew to Wrangell's hospital to be treated for smoke inhalation. Looking at the ferry Columbia from the shore in Wrangell at about 11.45 in the morning on Wednesday, there didn't appear to be anything amiss. That is, except that the 418-foot ferry wasn't supposed to be in Wrangell. The Columbia should have left for Ketchikan at 6.15 that morning, but an overnight fire in its bar delayed the ship as 11 people were taken off the ferry to be medically evaluated. Stephen Harrison is a crew member on the Columbia. He was part of the fire response team. In the bar last night at 3.15 in the morning, there was a, a general alarm went off and they said that it was not a, a drill, which is pretty obvious at 3.15, we wouldn't have a drill in the middle of the Wrangell Narrows. So all of the, all the people on Fire Team 1, we jumped up and ran for our fire suits. They told us to get dressed and we all donned our fire suits, put on our oxygen tanks and went on oxygen because the ship was filling up with smoke. By the time Harrison got to the fire, he says it had already mostly been extinguished by another crew member. But there was still smoldering, so we took water in and sprayed down the bar. So there's a lot of dirt and debris and ashes in the bar mixed with the ABC fire extinguisher stuff. So it kind of made a little bit of a mess and it's going to take us a while to clean up. Harrison says his six-person fire team was using supplemental oxygen, which helped them avoid the effects of smoke inhalation. But other crew and passengers felt the effects. Shannon McCarthy is a spokesperson for Alaska's Department of Transportation, which oversees the ferry system. The crew reacted pretty quickly, but out of an abundance of caution, they wanted to make sure that anyone that was nearby got seen for smoke inhalation. Emergency medical services in Wrangell transported 11 people to the local hospital for treatment. All the patients had been treated and released from the Wrangell Medical Center by early afternoon, according to a hospital spokesperson. And McCarthy says all 11 reboarded the ship and continued south. Harrison says he thinks the fire didn't cause any serious damage to the ship. We lost 10 cases of Alaska white beer. Honestly, that's the extent of the damage. It's not totally clear how the fire started. Harrison says the working theory is that an ice machine in the bar area started the fire. We're assuming some sort of electrical malfunction or maybe it was just too close to the, to the cardboard cases of beer. We don't know. The Columbia came back into regular service on the Alaska Marine Highway in mid-February, after being docked for three years as a cost-saving measure. The 49-year-old vessel is the largest of the Marine Highway's four mainline ferries, serving larger communities with cabins and berths for longer journeys. The Columbia was briefly tied up for repairs earlier this summer, after crew noticed issues with one of its thrusters and leaking pipes in the ship's fire suppression system. It's not the only ferry that's experienced mechanical issues recently. The Hubbard was waylaid by generator issues earlier this month. The Alaska Marine Highway is running thin, with five of its nine ferries in service as of August 23rd. The Kennecott, Taslina, and Madaniska are in layup in the boatyard in Ketchikan, and the Latuya is in overhaul until August 24th. Harrison says he's proud of the response of the Columbia crew and fire team. It proved to us that we actually could respond and do what we need to do in the amount of time that we needed to do it. Um, And it all went out really well. It it was a great drill. I mean, it was. It was a live fire drill, basically. Mm -hmm. 
The Columbia left Wrangell heading south just after noon Wednesday, after passengers and crew returned from receiving treatment. DOT doesn't expect the fire to cause any delay to the ship's schedule. It's expected to arrive in Bellingham on Friday morning. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. It's August when important federal officials travel to Alaska to trumpet big projects. On Tuesday, it was White House Infrastructure Coordinator Mitch Landrieu's turn. As Alaska Public Media's Liz Ruskin reports, he unveiled $100 million in broadband infrastructure grants. Landrieu stands at a podium at the Alaska Native Heritage Center, speaking not just about the three fiber optic grants for rural Alaska, but the broader sweep of appropriations the state has received. I'm trying to find the card that, that highlights that. Landrieu finds the card showing the federal announcements from last week alone, $22 million for energy resilience to the native village of Port Graham, $44 million for salmon passage, and $10 million for salmon recovery. Per capita, you're actually, you know, first in the class. And so I'm thrilled to be here on behalf of the president. The broadband money is divided almost equally among three fiber optic projects in rural Alaska. One $35 million project is for HUNA to deliver high-speed internet to 28 people, along with eight businesses and a school. That may seem like it comes to about a million dollars per person, but Chris McLean, Assistant Secretary of the USDA Rural Utilities Service, says looking at the number of homes served is the wrong math. The whole country, he says, should benefit from the genius and creativity of rural Alaskans. The denominator should be the population of the United States because you're completing our network. Because every one of these investments, even when they're small communities, adds to a greater network of communication. And that's our mission. So we are really proud to be part of that. And this is money very, very well spent. A few hours after the broadband announcement and a few miles away, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland was holding his own event. Reporting from Anchorage, I'm Liz Ruskin. The aviation company Ryanair, which serves most of western Alaska, celebrated its 70th birthday last week. As KOTZ's Desiree Hagen reports, while the family-owned company has changed a lot over the decades, its commitment to rural Alaska aviation has remained. Wilfred Ryan Jr. has been with Ryanair all of his life. Literally. His parents started the aviation company the year he was born. But I was born into the company, so I've actually been with the company since birth. Now he's 70 years old, and so is Ryan Eyre. He's outside of the company's hangar on a recent windy afternoon and just finished eating a hot dog at an event celebrating the milestone. Ryan has watched the company grow his entire life. His parents started it with a single plane. And now Ryan Eyre has a 20-plane fleet that serves over 70 remote Alaska villages. Ryan is the chair of the company's board and says over the years he's remained committed to serving rural Alaska. And that's the plan for the future, too. The um, reason that my parents started this business was to assist um, their friends and families in the rural communities. And I hope I've instilled that same value into my son, and uh, I hope we carry it on for a third generation. Ryan says for his dad, as a young adult in rural Alaska during the 1940s, flying was a dream. 
My father saw his first airplane when he was a teenager, and he always wanted to become a pilot. However, he didn't have the resources to, to uh, fund himself personally to become a pilot. He says many Alaska Native pilots, like his father, were able to pursue flying thanks to military service during World War II through the GI Bill. Ryan says being indigenous and having a connection to the land helped. Many of those those pioneer Native pilots started their career mushing dogs. And then because they knew the territory from the, from the ground, it became very easy for them to navigate through the air. And, and they all had that innate sense of direction. Ryan's father started his aviation company in 1953, then based out of Unilaclet and called Unilaclet Air Taxi. Ryan eventually took over the company from his dad and continued to grow it. By the late 1970s, he had expanded service beyond the Norton Sound region, changing its name to Ryan Air. By the late 80s, Ryan Air was the largest commuter carrier in Alaska. Then, in 1987, everything changed. A Ryan airplane departing from Kodiak crashed in Homer, killing 18 of the 21 people on board and leading the Federal Aviation Administration to shut down the airline the next year. Following the crash, the company switched from passenger service to cargo only. Over the years, Ryan says the aviation industry has changed considerably, from being goal-oriented to focusing more on safety. I like the environment that we're in today, where we have um, we have weather reporting stations, uh, new and improved runways, and uh, good lighting systems. He credits investments in rural infrastructure for some of the changes. And Ryan Air has changed too. Now the company employs about 150 people and continues to operate mostly cargo planes, with one exception, a passenger service that runs out of the YK Delta community of Antioch. The thing I enjoy most about flying is uh, the people that we serve. Over my you know, five decades of flying in western Alaska and throughout Alaska, I cherish the friendships that I have made. And those friendships, he says, are lasting ones. In Kotzebue, I'm Desiree Hagen. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. And now taking a quick look at the weather for Sitka for today, Thursday, August 24th, 2023. Today, partly sunny with a high near 63. Northwest wind around 5 miles per hour. Tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 54. Northwest wind around 5 miles per hour. You're tuned into your community radio station, Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Good morning. Mm-hmm.